This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joy 94.9 presents Absolutely Everybody. Sponsored by and presented by Anecto, the People Network. Absolutely everybody, only on Joy 94.9. We've got the wonderful Paulette Witten, who's the Aboriginal Liaison Officer for Anecto in New South Wales. Welcome, Paulette. Uh, thank you very much. And um, you, you've, what have you been up to already? I bet you've got a busy week coming up. Yes, it has sort of been uh, a little bit busy so far. Um, and uh, with the, the this week, being home to, to from today, mm. National Reconciliation Week, and of course uh, yesterday's um, commemorations of Sorry Day as well. So uh, it is a, a sort of busy uh, sort of week, uh, although uh, for the Aboriginal community. Although um, I must say that National Reconciliation Week is uh, sort of uh, uh, more involved with uh, getting the white community in, involved, uh. with connecting with Aboriginal communities rather than. Uh, Aboriginal communities holding their own uh, National Reconciliation Week um, event. But, yeah. um, but nevertheless, it uh, it is a busy uh, a week around the country. Mm. Yeah, and I, that was one of the things, you know, as I was looking through to see, okay, what's going to be on, you know, for Reconciliation Week? Well, who's doing what? And I got on. And I, it's been really quiet um, as far as the the lead up to Reconciliation Week um, this this year. And I'm not sure why that is, but... Yeah, I realised, you know, actually I shouldn't be going to my usual places that, that are Aboriginal organisations because this is actually about whitefellas and as well, you know, being part of the process and saying, well, yeah, hello, this is what we're putting on. This is what, you know, what, what we want to engage in and, and be, be part of. So, yeah, between 27th of May and the 3rd of June, we've got – is it – National Reconciliation Week is oh actually I think it's up to the 29th is that right what 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 dates have we got this year No the dates are for National Reconciliation Week are always the same hmm. um, and that is from the 27th of May which is yeah. today till the 3rd of June and yeah. that is the the set dates for National Reconciliation Week each year and if you don't know why that is it's because those dates um, highlight two very significant historical events Mm. Um, and they are the anniversaries of the 1967 referendum um, and the Mabo judgment. Yeah. And so like today, the 27th of May, is the anniversary of uh, Australia's most successful referendum, which is the 1967 referendum, uh, that saw, at that time, over 90% of Australians vote to give the Commonwealth the power to make laws for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander yeah. peoples and also to recognise our peoples in the national census. And so until 1967, mm. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were not officially recognised in the national census. I know. And so, I mean, so recently. And before that, am I right that, that Aboriginal people were, were actually collected in the census under flora and fauna? That's, um, that's pretty much... We, we didn't actually have a place in the census at all, yeah. and, but Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were considered to be uh, flora and fauna. Outrageous! Outrageous! Yeah. And so, that, and and that overwhelming majority of Australians who said, "Yeah, absolutely," you know, this is you know, this is crazy. Let's let's change that. And then it got to the third of June, yeah. nineteen ninety two. What what's that landmark decision uh, around? 
Yep, the 3rd of June, um, as some people may know, uh, in back in 1992, was the, the High Court of Australia handed down the uh, Mabo decision, uh, which was legally recognising that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have a uh, exceptional special connection to the land pre-colonisation that still exists today. And uh, so a lot of people may know uh, the Mabo judgment or have heard about native title. Well, Mabo, the Mabo judgment gave birth to the native title system. So uh, that's the other significant date of Reconciliation Week, the 3rd of June, um, which hails back to the, the Mabo judgment, which was handed down in 1992. Yeah, and we've still got some of the oldest rock art and culturally significant sites that are under threat in places um, where people are wanting to mine and do all sorts of things? Yes, absolutely. Um, um, Aboriginal cultural heritage um, is always under threat, even when you want to construct a new road, a new freeway, mm. um, you know, because a lot of those um, freeways and things that you drive on these days are, have actually either destroyed Aboriginal cultural um, heritage sites mm. or, um, you know, that some of those uh, sites that those roads go through have, um, you know, they've agreed with the Aboriginal community to get the Aboriginal community to move them to another site so that, you know, but it's not on the original site. Yeah. So um, so everyday things that we take for granted in, in mainstream Australian life, um, yeah, there's been a lot of cultural her heritage damage already and then you've got uh, things that are destructive like uh, mining as well and, mm. and those sorts of things on uh, on Aboriginal country. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of sites people w would walk past every day that they wouldn't necessarily know is kind of significant, you know, from the conversations I've had with people talking about, you know, well, you've got to be careful that, you know, you don't move those stones, you don't move that area, that's that's significant. You're like, really? Like, wow. Yeah, well, that's, you know, and, and that's, that's um, you know, correct and there's um, different things in different places and even through, through uh, you know, moving through suburbs of whether mm. it be Melbourne or, or Sydney where I'm based, um, you know, there's um, Aboriginal... Um, heritage all around you, even in the suburbs, names and that so forth. So there's a lot of cultural heritage around. It's just that you've got to stop and think and um, and educate and learn uh, about these things, yeah. And I think it's a lot of people would say, well, why do we have to learn about it? And I think the answer to that question is that this country always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And so everything that we develop on this country, um, you need to think about the First Peoples and how um, and how you can integrate that as part of your daily life. Mm. And some other countries seem to have done that really well, like Native American culture in the US is really highly respected and elders are engaged on a lot of topics. And same with New Zealand and I, I don't know... <laughs> Do, do we have that same level of consultation and collaboration, do you think? I think um, it's something that we're striving for. We sort of maybe have uh, bases uh, for it, but I don't think it's as strong mm. as in other countries. example, for, uh, for Aotearoa, um, as you said, New Zealand. Um, you know, they've, I think their uh, peoples are, are more visible um, over there and of course they have the Waitangi Treaty which we don't have a treaty in this country that I heard you alluding to in your introduction yeah. um, there is one and I think some of those um, bases that's a basis that is required I think to uh, to move forward um, in the in consultations and I don't think consultations are done enough um, uh, as well in this country and um, and so you know people's attitudes and and uh, I guess um, not every not everyone will say that they have a racist bone in their body, but mm. they are. But the ignorance breeds racism, 
So yeah. if you if you're ignorant about something, then you know your um, level of knowledge won't be as good, and, and it can be seen as racist yeah. um, there as well. But um, I think it's just about educating yourself and, and connecting with people. Um, I mean, there's been research done in this country to say that um, uh, all Australians, many Australians, have never um, come into contact with an Aboriginal person. Oh, I find that amazing. The- I find that amazing as well. Yeah, right. Wow. And that, but I think um, part of that issue is that people don't recognise who is an Aboriginal person. Yeah. And the thinking about what an Aboriginal person looks like. No, um, right. And that as well. And I think it, that the the idea goes back to the Aboriginal person, a, a dark-skinned uh, a person wearing a lap lap, standing on one leg with a spear. <laughs> yeah. It's such an ancient view. It, it's part of our traditional culture, obviously. Yeah, and sure. Our, our, um, but um, Aboriginal people don't look like that all around the country. We all look different. We're coming all different shapes, sizes yeah. and colours. Yeah, and it'd be like waiting for going, oh, you know what those white people look like? They look like... Um, they look like they're um, in those bustles. You know, the women wear bustles and lovely 18th century gear and those lovely head, you know, <laughs> gears. You know, oh, that's what white people look like. You know, and people go, don't be stupid. Same thing, you know, in, our, in, in the LGBTIQ mm. community, you know, it's the same thing with gender. People will say, oh, I've never I've never met a lesbian. Oh, I've never met a trans person. Oh, I've mm. never met... <laughs> because of the perception. Chances are you just don't know you have. Yeah. And exactly. Chances are that you've just walked past, a, you know, <laughs> 10, 10 Aboriginal people and you wouldn't even know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's about training to not make those assumptions mm. about right. people and see people as people. And start a conversation rather than mm. starting a conversation about race or anything. Just start a conversation with, hey, hi, how are you? How you doing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And go from and there. I, it's not complicated. Exactly. <laughs> and that, and that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great basis. And I think it's just the conversations that we need to have on a, uh, on a more regular basis, as you say. Well, will you hang around with us, Paulette? Because we want to talk a bit, bit about the um, Conchilla Boys and what Anecto's doing, and um, you know, in this space of inclusion. Um, but also, the, there's a film festival at the moment in Melbourne, the St Kilda Film Festival, and uh, the there's a, a wonderful piece about the Conchilla Boys home that has made it to the music video section of yes. the uh, the finals there so we're pretty pretty impressed with that this is absolutely everybody on joy 94.9 proudly sponsored by anecto and we are on the uh Wurundjeri lands of the Kulin nation and we're, we're with someone from koori country over in new south wales i think that's right paulette are you part of the koori nation that's over there yeah, I'm. I actually work and live um, on the uh, Koori, uh, on the na- nation of the uh, Darug people. The Darug uh, people are the traditional owners of the Sydney area. Oh, although, okay. Also, although some uh, uh, groups uh, say that it's the Eora nation, so I acknowledge both the Eora and Darug peoples of Sydney. Um, and uh, I've uh, been born and lived on this country uh, for most of all, all my life, basically. Yeah, right. But most of it, um, uh, except for a couple of times when I've left the state, but. Um, but I am a Uralii and Gamilaroi woman from uh, northwest New South Wales myself, um, and uh, which is country out in um, in Garuga, which is uh, in out past Lightning Ridge, yeah, oh, in the okay. outback of New South Wales. Yeah, beautiful. And into, over across the border as well, and uh, and also on my on my other side, uh, Gamilaroi from uh, the town of Coonabarabran and Burrabadee Mission. 
and uh, my father was also um, grew up in the notorious Kinchilla Boys Home yeah. as well as part of the Stolen Generation. So uh, I have uh, those connections as well as part of my heritage. Wow. You, so you have a direct connection to understanding the impacts of that Stolen Generation? Absolutely. In... Um, absolutely. My father is a product of the Stolen Generation and uh, as such, uh, those issues have um, affected and, and touched my life uh, as well, my entire childhood and uh, adult life there as well. So, mm. And I have a strong connection to uh, the Kinchilla Boys Home uh, mob as well. They are considered them my uncles. Yeah. Those, they've, they've created a very tight bond, those boys, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Yes. And I think um, whether you, uh, regardless of whether it's Kinchilla or Kudamundra or Bomaderi or elsewhere, um, mm. you'll find a strong connection between um, those who grew up together and that's uh, pretty much the only family that they've ever had, really, um, from those kids that were taken from their families at such uh, early ages. And um, in their formative years, and that's where you form all those um, tight bonds and it's uh, with each other rather than uh, their own biological families. Yeah. What, what's the impact of that? With... Uh, as a child of, um, of uh, a kinchula man um, that uh, has br- it's broken bonds with um, mm. the biological family that you should have those close family ties with. Um, so yeah. um, my father grew up not knowing that he had sisters, for example. Oh, wow. Um, and found out um, after he was uh, exited the home that um, he actually um, had two sisters. He grew up with his twin brother. So he knew. So they just knew that they had each other. Right. And they knew that they had a mum and that was about it. Um, so, you know, you're, you're constantly on the search for family. Um, bonds mm. are broken. You, you like strangers. So my aunties were like strangers. Yeah, right, of course. Um, so that's number one. Mm. Um, and then you've got the effects of the treatment of my dad in Kinchilla Boys' home, and so the, which means the inability to know how to be a father, yeah. the inability to communicate, um, you know, as, mm. as people take for granted, I think, um, as well. Um, and the emotional um, uh, attachments, uh, you know, uh, are a lot really not there. So it's, um, yeah, it really affects the, the growing up of, of a child when, you know, when you have a father there, but it's sort of not there in yeah. another way. Um, uh, I'm not sure how to describe it. Yes, um, it sounds like an emotional uh, um, absence, like physically there, but emotionally not able to be there. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, something like that, and um, yeah, and yeah, um, so that's a, mm. a tiny bit of an insight into into what it's like for the next generation, and and then you carry, you know, also that anger um, as well. You know, why did this have to happen? Yeah. You know, I I as a child gave the Aboriginal Protection Board and Welfare Board who removed, um, you know, these kids like my dad and and my dad as well. Um, you know, the the benefit of the doubt that they didn't know that my dad had family because, um, you know, people were constantly saying that, you know, they they had family members who had requested that um, they had take care of the children, but yeah. they were often denied. And I thought, well, well, they wouldn't have probably wouldn't have known about my dad's family. But when I uh, was able to access records, I found that 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 was not true. They did. That um, there was mm. family members there was uh, that had several family members who had asked to take care of the boys. Um, and uh, they oh, were denied. That's outrageous. Wow. Um, that, you know, and, and a letter from one of my aunties to 
um, the board asking for a visit to see her sister. Yeah, well, um, not unreasonable. And that, was, and, and that was denied. On um, what grounds? That was denied on that um, the the other sister had um, had is already located in, a, in another family, and it would be upsetting of her if she, she was to meet you know the other sister. Oh, God, how yeah, people so, making decisions on behalf of people's lives that's yes. it's just that's just so devastating yeah exactly and um and then when my dad was about to leave the the boys home there was a letter to say that his auntie was at Walgett so they were sending them over to Walgett so why wow. take them away and then send them back to the family that they don't know yeah um, like go and live with a stranger go and live with these people up here yeah so um so it's, wow. it's sort of really weird you know that they did know where the family was but they mm. Their plan was to just break those family ties, and and a lot of people um, don't believe that it's whitewashing, but that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Those yeah. boys like my dad were told in the home that they that they weren't Aboriginal, that they were just darker skinned. Oh, there's a, really? There's a song that mm. was written by one of the Kinchel boys, Uncle Roy Reed, mm. um, called Why, and that's exactly what he was told and says in the song. Uh. You know, they weren't Aboriginal; they were just darker than the other kids. Yeah, just that. Um, oh. And um, so they were denying their Aboriginality and, and it was basically wash, whitewashing. So, mm. Mm. so it's a very tragic um, part of our history yeah. um, there, which um, uh, should never, never uh, be forgotten. And, and I think that connects back, doesn't it, to then, you know, in 2008 when the, um, the apology from Kevin Rudd came, mm. you know, how... How, how, what that actually means to Aboriginal people because white people have no idea what that really means mm. apart from, oh, isn't that good that there's been an acknowledgement? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't heal people and change everything. But, you know, from, from the Aboriginal perspective of the apology in 2008, what, what was that like? Um, well, in the lead-up to that, that apology in 2008, I actually thought um, it was not going to be any of use at all yeah um um but when it did happen i actually cried when um when kevin Rudd apologized so died. um <laughs> and it was like a it was like an acknowledgement okay. of yeah. of what did happen yeah. um and uh because of growing up and because all the all the boys were all separated so again they went for 20 odd years without seeing each other mm. um unless they run into each other at some point but um so we always felt isolated and felt like we were the only ones that went through this yeah um and until we got back together in in 2002 and the kinchilla boys home uh, men were reunited that was when i was able to let go of some of the anger that i held towards my dad and and his twin brother mm. and i was able to understand that we weren't the only family this happened to yeah um and then i've been on my journey i guess healing they call it a journey of healing so um so it's helped uh with a lot of the anger issues and the resentment that has sort of built up over the years and i think it's created a closer bond um between myself and my dad as well oh that's so nice to hear i don't imagine that's necessarily for everyone that everyone's at your you know stage of course but no def- not not every kinchilla boy and their family member was there at the time and so it's an ongoing process and yeah. um and there was only a small amount of kinchilla boys back then um mm. and which has grown since you know people have um um joined the the journey the journey i guess and joined uh, with the kinchilla boys home creating their their own corporation 
as well and trying to look after the needs and um, of uh, the men and their families as well. So as that grows, uh, so does the number of um, Kinchilla Boys Home men and uh, and their families joining the group and joining the journey as well. And it's been, you know, some of the men can't uh, come up to that uh, place where the, the actual site of the hi- old home, you it's know, they can't too, go there, they can't painful. walk in those gates. Yeah, just too painful. Um, just too painful, yeah. yeah. Um, and even though it looks different these days, um, mm. but there's still that pain that exists and that they haven't, that there hasn't been that healing. Yeah. And, mm. and, and I guess there's, you know, it, it puts a lot of pieces of the pie together when you start thinking about how that impacts on the families today, that, that those men didn't have inheritances, you know, to pass on to their families and didn't necessarily have the ability to, to participate they weren't set up to participate in um, community and society like a lot of other people had a head start with just a family unit, you know, mm-hmm. to back them yeah. up when the times were tough and, and we all go through tough times. But what amazing um, survivors those those men, yeah, men they are. are survivors and they, they are survivors and that's um, that, that's pretty much the only thing that Kinchilla Boys Home taught them. They, was, mm. they had to survive or be killed basically. Yeah. And that's the attitude and you know the mentality that they came out of the homes with i think and um but i um and they are survivors absolute survivors and um and um I lost my train of thought there where yeah. i was going with that yeah. now <laughs> well you know the thing you think that i that that, that that your your perspective brings to me too is just how incredibly resilient you and your family and the other families who have silently kind of gone through a lot of this process and are still going through it now and that the, the rest of Australians have no no idea of just um, that that impact you know of of what what life what such a different life is is like and I mean thank you so much for, sh- for you know for sharing your your side of that that story too because it it, it is such an insight and um you know, and I, was thinking, I was thinking about it the other day and it's like the the men were ripped of their soul um, yeah. as boys because as boys they entered that um Kinchilla boys home gate and they were stripped of um their identity straight away mm. um they were uh, given a number which was stamped on their their clothing and any other personal items and my dad's number was 31 and they've carried that from that day to this mm. and, and will carry that to their deathbed as well. And yeah. uh, you ask all the men and they still remember the number yeah, that they were stamped with. And yeah. that, that's the sort of like prisoner of war mentality. It um, is. Well, that they grew up with. So they were stripped of their identity from day one. They weren't um, you know, allowed to be addressed by their name. It was by their number. Wow. Um, and uh, they were abused and mistreated mm. quite quite a lot in this in this particular home. Yeah. Um, different people will have different stories, and I let them share them. Of course, as, as, yeah. as they feel yeah. they they want to. Um, but um, sorry, Dave. Yeah, it was a yeah a, a huge impact on on the boys themselves, and then and then you've got that trauma that mm. is carried on to the next generation. And I was thinking about it the other day, and it's a bit like a I was thinking it's like a bit of like a kiwi fruit if you if you like. Um, then you're taking it, you're spooning out all the flesh. And you leave nothing but the skin on the outside yeah, right. um, when you eat a kiwi fruit, and uh, that's sort of a, a little bit of what, what it's like. You've got an empty shell mm. of, of these men, and um, they're passing that empty shell on to their next generation. Yeah, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, you know, there's no other way to really frame it except, you know, I guess people would understand people coming back from war that that's what these, you know, men came back to, you know, mm. is they they were post trying to be 
husbands and fathers with post-traumatic stress. And I thank God there are um, services as well that are out there that can um, assist and work with some of those those men. Yes, and, and Electo has uh, formed a, and a great partnership with the Kinchilla Boys Home Aboriginal Corporation, that, so they're helping to, you know, assist the corporation, uh, help the men and their families as well. So um, uh, I'm really pleased to see that Anecto has formed that relationship uh, with that part of the community. Mm. And if you are listening and you're thinking, hey, yeah, look, it's time for me to, you know, maybe make a connection and um, and, and connect through. You know, anecto.org.au, um, you can make a connection through that way. Um, the video for um, the boys' home is is up there. Uh, again, a warning if you are, you know, a, a survivor of or know someone um, who has experienced the uh, stolen generation, either directly or indirectly, that that will have a it has a huge impact on me, and and I'm so removed from that experience. But it is a wonderful video. Um, when it comes to actual support, there's. Um, uh, Reconciliation Australia actually has some different links on their site, um, but we'll we'll also bring you. Of course, if you've been affected up to now, you can uh, call one three hundred eleven fourteen um, and speak to someone on Lifeline because there's always someone there that's actually there to answer the phone. But we'll also put up some other support lines. Paulette, there's so much. Paulette, we'll have to call you back at some stage because there's so many things to talk about, <laughs> and and there's so many joyful things to talk about too. You know, when it comes to resilience, um, I think if anything, I realise is that I can learn so much more from my Aboriginal brothers and sisters around resilience and how to get up and face another day. So, thanks yeah. so much for your for your time. No worries, and just on the impact of resilience, um, the song that you played there was written by, um, was performed by Mark Ferris, but um, also written by Uncle Ian Crow Lowe, number forty-one from uh, Kinchilla Boys Home, yeah. and uh, he's used poetry as um, his uh, form of dealing with his pain from his years at KBH, and um, and has now uh, been able to form that relationship with Mark, who's put that into a song. So, um, and that's helping um, Uncle Crow's um, resilience and um, and healing as well. Beautiful. And I'd also like to acknowledge, um, before I go, the yeah. traditional owners, the Kulin Nation, uh, the Rundry people, and our uh, LGBTI community members who may be listening as well. And, um, yeah, and if you're uh, part of the stolen generation, then stay strong. Oh, thank you so much. Couldn't have said it any better. You're on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.